0: They don't come here to attack us because we're rich and we're free. They come and they they attack us because we're over there. We don't need to go populist left or populist right. We don't need to embrace neo-Marxism or neo-fascism, these disastrous movements from the 20th century. Turns out the answer is pretty much our Bill of Rights. Our story. Embrace freedom. That's the answer. And if the LP has a purpose, it's not to put people to sleep it's to wake them up. We're here because we love liberty and we're here because we
1: hate injustice. We are here to save mankind.
0: We are here to fight. Join us, the Libertarian Party, in perhaps the most exciting grandest endeavor in history, the restoration of American liberty. Ideas spread, they can't stop them. An idea whose time has come cannot be stopped by any army or any government.
1: Hello, and welcome to Episode 65 of Decentralized Revolution, a podcast from the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus and Mises PAC. I'm Aaron Harris, and I'm your host. My guest today is David Hines, who is one of my colleagues on the nine member board that runs the Mises caucus and Mises PAC. Uh, David and I are privileged to serve there along with uh, Michael Heiss, Angela McArdle, Tom Woods, and a few other fine people. Uh, David is uh, really, he's always a pleasure to talk to, whether it's in our board meetings or when I get a chance to talk to him uh, personally, uh, really interesting thinker. Uh, he thought that in light of the fact that, you know, there's been a lot of libertarian party drama, that's been front and center the last few months. And the Mises caucus has been uh, part of that. We think we of course we've been on the right side of that insisting that uh, some of those unethical actions by the LNC uh, of the former chair uh, you know, we've been fighting to do the right thing within the party. Uh, but we just thought it'd be a good time to remind people that that's not all the Mises caucus is about that. Uh, we needed to remind everybody and really remind ourselves really what the Mises Caucus is and what we need to do to remain effective. So David wrote an article to that effect, which I'll have a link to up at decentralizedrevolution.com slash 65. And I thought we'd all benefit from talking to David about it for a bit. So here's David Hines. We've been talking uh, recently uh, amongst ourselves on the board. We've, we've had a busy time uh, this summer with some, you know, LP drama, uh, and things like that. There's always a little bit of that, but we've been talking about wanting to sort of get back to basics and remind everybody, uh, what we're doing and how we're trying to do it. And you wrote an article, uh, just, uh, in the last few days, uh, that should be posted by the time, uh, this episode is up, uh, about that. So tell us about that and, and where those ideas came from.
0: A lot of this was is just born out of the things that we had in mind uh, from the beginning. and a lot of it in in many ways is uh, kind of been hashed out in our community, especially in our Facebook group and things of that nature. And uh, if there's one thing that maybe we've been a little bit guilty of, it's not um, sort of like collating all of these ideas and strategies into um, sort of a co- a coherent presentation. We've had lots of discussions on these kinds of things, um, and I think now it's time to really lay them out um, for people to look at. And, uh, you know, a lot of this, like I said, is, is you know, stuff that we've been talking about from the beginning. So uh, basically, we've had a kind of a, you know, Mike refers to it as the 3 prong strategy uh, that we've wanted to pursue, and we uh, could definitely uh, go through them just uh, point by point here.
1: Yeah. So the first one is uh, uh, intra party action. That's INTRA party action. So uh, I referred to a little bit to that. Uh, We've the drama that we've had uh, with the LP. uh, uh, let, Let me go tell just a little bit about my history. I was with the Libertarian Party of Ohio for a few years, and there was all kinds of drama all the time there. And I had kind of decided to kind of drop out of the LP and just kind of follow from a distance for a while. And a few months later, the Mises caucus kind of came around and I started getting um, interested in what uh, you guys were doing, a much smaller group at that point. And then I kind of approached Mike and wanted to get involved. And since I've been um, part of the Mises caucus and on the board, like this is the only libertarian situation, the only libertarian organization I've been a part of or been close to where there's very, very little, if any, sort of that internal weird drama. And, and that's one thing I think that people looking outside at the LP, they see that and they're like, why do I want to get involved in that? So that I think is one of the reasons Uh, we take an interest in uh, what's going on uh, in the party. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think the, um, with regards to uh, the intra-party work that we do, I think it's one of the more visible things uh, because people often see the fur flying on social media and things of that nature. Um, They see those kinds of, uh, you know, what they call infighting and all that. And uh, it definitely is, you know, uh, perhaps more controversial just because it's it's libertarian versus libertarian sometimes. But the bottom line is, is that we want uh, we want the party to be successful. And sometimes what that means is uh, that people who aren't getting the work done um, or who maybe aren't the best at what they're doing um, in some more rare cases, people who are unethical or, or have serious character issues or, or issues with their principles. Um, You know, they need to be uh, sidelined, unfortunately, and people who are have those characteristics, whether they're in this caucus or not, uh, need to be in control of key aspects of the party. Um, And, you know, we've done that in different ways in different places. I mean, like, for example, just starting out in 2018, uh, when we were very much just kind of trying to do a proof of concept. We At the national level, we helped Karen Ann Harlos get elected for secretary we helped uh, Alex Merced get in for uh, vice chair. And uh, those things proved to be very important because in 2020, when there was all this corruption going on at the national level with regards to the national convention, those, those votes mattered. And even though those people weren't Mises caucus, we knew that they were ethical. We knew that they actually cared about doing the right thing. And ultimately, they did. And so... That's ultimately what the party action is about. Is you know, are people actually going to make this party effective, or are they not? And uh, that's that's really the bottom line there.
1: One of the things I think that has made the LP not as effective as it could be is the fact that so many people uh, inside the liberty movement are um, a not you know not only are they not involved with the LP, is that they kind of hold it with just look at it with disdain and, uh, don't want to work with it. And I think that's been one of our goals too, is to make this a place where it's not just about people who kind of want to, um, we've been, uh, the phrase has come up a lot lately about LARPing at politics. You know, the, they're, they're, they're pretending they like to have these titles, uh, they think that, uh, if we act just like the Democrats or Republicans and our professional and send out press releases and wear suits that the media will eventually, uh, start giving us respect and put us on the debate stage. And, you know, uh, a lot of the people that came out of the Ron Paul movement, uh, people like me who are predate the, the Ron Paul movement. Uh, we know that the media is never going to do that, that we need to take, uh, uh, different tack. And and there's also the, uh, I think there's some cultural um, stuff within the LP that uh, certain people uh, are implicitly not welcome. And we want everybody who's a, uh, like you said, an ethical person who has, you know, who agrees with the non-aggression principle. We want all those people in no matter what their, what, no matter what their lifestyle.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And I I think that the Mises Caucus in some ways um, has really struck a good balance. You know, we really do believe that the most practical way to go forward as a libertarian party is to be principled and to present those principles in a way that makes sense uh, to the public in a way that they can understand and accept. Um, That's been really important to, I think, our success and, and how we do things. And uh, so that's that's also a part of of what we're trying to do with the party is keep that principle. You know, don't sell out uh, and don't uh, don't give up all the good things that you have going for you as a libertarian just to, you know, get people who don't even like you to, you know, give you some attention. Um, But at the same time, you know, don't uh, don't look like a crazy person to people who are outside the ideas and maybe aren't familiar with them yet. And I think that we are going to move the party in that direction.
1: Yeah, Um, And and people do see um, mostly uh, on social media, the drama surrounding the libertarian national committee, which is the organization that, that runs the libertarian party. That's where, you know, the former uh, chair that we all like to um, uh, we all love to hate. And, but I don't mention his name on this podcast. Uh, That's, All that was LNC drama. Um, But uh, what we're doing really is taking action in all, I think, just about all. We have teams up in uh, just about, if not all, 50 states. And what are those teams doing?
0: That's right. Well, in in many ways, those teams are uh, pursuing this the grand strategy that I'm laying out here uh, down at that state level. Um, So they're not only helping their state affiliates to get up to speed and running smoothly, uh, but they're also getting those close connections with, you know, single issue coalitions, which we'll get into in a little bit here. And then also raising up those local libertarian candidates and maybe even pitching in with larger campaigns if they're helpful for messaging or ballot access or something like that. And uh, one thing I did want to mention um with regards to the you know the, the sort of larping issue or whatever is, um, I've said from the very beginning, and Mike has said from the very beginning that work is the currency of this caucus. If you're going to try and get into a position in the party or you're going to try and be in some form of leadership, you have to actually earn it. You have to actually show up and participate and get things done. and uh, that really needs to be. Um, one of the major metrics going forward. There's other important metrics, you know, that I mentioned, like the, you know, the ethics and the character and the principles and things of that nature. But we want to make sure that, you know, people who actually do the work are getting advanced. And that was kind of one thing that I noticed when I went to 2018 is, you know, we had a regional rep election and we had one guy uh, from PA, and his name is flipping my mind right now. But I mean, this guy was like a soldier. I mean, he was doing so much groundwork in PA and uh, he didn't win that election for that regional rep spot. And it's a shame that you know activists who work so hard, who clearly are demonstrating passion, putting in that time and effort are not getting rewarded for it. And we'd like to change that. Um, so yeah, and like I said, as far as the uh, what our teams are doing in the States, it's the same strategy, but it's just fractal. It's on a smaller level. And all of these States working on this agenda Sort of uh, creates a tapestry, if you will. It creates a uh, a greater part of a whole, or a smaller parts of the greater whole. I should say.
1: Yeah, and I think there are some states where uh, the party organization was pretty moribund and not really, you know, very little involvement. Mises Caucus people came in, and the few stalwarts who were still left were very happy to uh, to see some activists come in and and want to do the work. Um, in other places I've seen, uh, uh, there's been kind of a really good approach as to like, Hey, we're not trying to put all Mises caucus people in, like w- let's work it out. Like some of you have been here for a while and are doing the work, then yeah, you've got, you've still got a place here. Uh, but we want to, you know, fill in all the gaps where, you know, maybe you don't have positions filled or you don't have, uh, productive people in there. So I, have heard lots of stories of, of, um, you know, the, the, word takeover has, you know, been, uh, part of the, uh, discussion about the Karen Ann stuff and and the other LP, uh, LNC drama this year, but the takeover is, is, uh, uh, sometimes it's, it's welcomed, you know, it, it's, it's the people who are there and doing the work they see, people of good faith wanting to come in and make this party work. And, and it's not, you know, it's not a combative thing. It's a, hey, we the we're all collaborating on the same thing. And it's working because we're actually all doing the work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, the the Mises caucus getting involved in these different state affiliates, it's it's different in every situation, like you said. I mean, if there have been some affiliates, it's true, where, you know, we were not welcomed. Uh, and it was very hostile. And in some of those affiliates, I mean, like I said, the fur is flying, and you know, it's a it's knockdown, drag out fight. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. There's you know, there's affiliates like, you know, uh, if I'm not mistaken, like Oklahoma uh, or Washington, where you know the Mises Caucus is getting along great with with people from other groups and factions, and you know, we elect people other than ourselves to office. Like I was, you know, using a you know, the 2018 national elections as an example. And, uh, you know, and there's also uh, there are some affiliates that are very healthy and and pretty well developed already, like Texas and California. And, you know, when we go into those affiliates, um, you know, what we're trying to do is we're trying to add to what other people have already built and contribute to something that other people have already spent, you know, years of their lives working on. Um, And like you said, in other States. Yeah. The affiliate might have languished for a while and maybe not been doing much. And we'd like to really kind of kickstart it and and get it going. And uh, we're happy to do that.
1: Yeah. And it's not always, I think some, some of the rhetoric uh, surrounding the uh, Pennsylvania convention of, of 2021 uh, back in May, uh, a lot of people who were anti Mises caucus, we're kind of making the assertion that all of these Mises caucus people have never, they don't have any connection to the LP. They've never showed up at all. Um, And and that's just not true. Like there's people um, in every state uh, and a lot of our Mises caucus people, a lot of our core group have been involved in, in the LP And for one reason or another, wanted to see some changes made and we're bringing a bunch of new people in. So what I think a lot of people miss is that fact that once Mike uh, and uh, the other few of you started the caucus, that a lot of people who were already on board with the LP became members of the caucus and then other people started to come in who previously hadn't seen a point in getting involved in the LP. So it's not this weird, you know, um, a bunch of disaffected Republicans coming into the, you know, it's, it's can't be farther from the truth. And I think, I think it's really neat to have people who have been in the LP for uh, 10 years or more like me, uh, along with uh, people who are just now um, uh, feeling like they can make a difference. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like Mike has been saying, you know, part of what we're doing is is bringing that Ron Paul movement home uh, to a party of its own. And, and uh, you know, just because uh, libertarians not in the libertarian party doesn't mean that they're automatically some kind of Republican libertarian, not that there's anything wrong with that. But, you know, I think that a lot of Ron Paul libertarians have been kind of homeless. You know, the, the GOP kind of stabbed Ron in the back and Um, A lot of people were not happy with that. They didn't really want to participate in the GOP anymore. And I think that it's appropriate that they find a home in the LP. And um, so, you know, I think it's more than appropriate that Ron Paul libertarians be in the libertarian party, especially considering he's got that lifetime membership, you know, still got that gold coin. Right.
1: (laughs) That's right. And, and a lot of those uh, so-called, you know, uh, uh, Republican libertarians, a lot of those, people just joined up or became registered Republicans so they could vote for Ron Paul in the primary. So those people were not like, you know, Mitch McConnell, Bob Dole types who kind of liked Ron Paul and, and now they're homeless. They were, they were activated by Ron Paul and then found themselves without a home. So
0: um,
1: I want to go on to actually prong three, if you don't mind. Sure. Because I think in the context of this conversation, it works a little better, and that's talking about uh, uh, elections and our our, and our approach to them. Because when people think of the LP, you know, most people, um, you know, who are not super involved with the LP, they immediately think, you know, things like uh, Joe Jorgensen, Gary Johnson, Harry Brown. They think of the presidential race that that is kind of comes. Somewhat to the uh, national discussion uh, a little bit every four years, but uh, it's it's more than just that as as to what we're trying to do,
0: yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the most important things uh, to consider, especially when we're talking about these these two other prongs where we're talking about, you know where the rubber meets the road. It's like, okay, intraparty is great. but what are you gonna do uh, with this libertarian party? Um, and as far as elections go, it, you, you have to manage your expectations and you have to know where you're at. Um, libertarians are a pretty small percentage of the population. And so as a small percentage of the population, we have to think about how we're managing our resources and what our expectations are. I don't think it's reasonable to expect that, you know, if you're 10 million people in a country of 330 million people, that you're gonna win the presidential election and get all these Senate seats and things like that. You actually have to have reasonable expectations. So um, where we really begin and where where we as a caucus uh, emphasize our efforts, and this doesn't necessarily have to be the party at large, but this is where the caucus is focused, is those local elections. And what this really is, is it's the, the Hans Sermon Hoppe strategy. Um, you know, Hans Hoppe's strategy that he laid out was take over your local government. Use your position of power and authority in the local government to nullify uh laws and regulations and things of that nature from state and federal governments. Essentially render your local polity invisible and, and just nullify these things and live so that all the people in that polity can just live their free life. And uh, you know, a, a lot the, the thing that people maybe don't realize is that the federal governments and, and the state governments they don't have infinite resources. They can't run down every last, uh, you know, violator or, or person who's ignoring some unjust law, and uh, they need those local governments to help them. And if we have libertarians in those local governments, um, then it can be quite disruptive uh, to those uh, otherwise unassailable, um, you know, government bodies. Like uh, So that's one aspect to it, is the nullification. And then obviously, you know, just getting rid of those local laws too, or local regulations, or finding ways to uh, privatize things in a, you know, in a healthy libertarian way, not in a kind of a dysfunctional cronyist way, right? Um, so that's the local stuff. And then you get your state level, and state level elections can be pretty hard to win. That's when you start getting into more resource-intensive things that libertarians might not be able to scrape together enough money to, you uh, Get people over the top on, but we can certainly um, help to rein in the excesses of either party by essentially primarying them from the outside um, and playing kingmaker. So we can wield our influence in that manner. And also, those statewide elections can be really helpful for ballot access and things like that. Um, You know, like for example, you know, Larry Sharp uh, did um, a lot of great things for his state by running for governor, and so. Um, you know, that's going to help the Libertarian Party in that state. Um, And then as far as the federal level goes, you know, those races are really hard to win. um, But certainly what we can use them for, and this goes for the state level, too, is for reaching people. Um, One of the things that, you know, I've been talking about for a while is, you know, ordinary people, they, they take a kind of common sense approach to things when they when they're talking about political ideas, you know, if you wanna learn about carpentry, you know, go to the carpenter and listen to him and what he has to say. Well, if you wanna learn about politics and political ideas and what should we do, what should the government do, then I guess the politicians are the one to ask. And of course, you know, it's like at the sheep asking the wolf, right? What to do. Um, but if we can get a libertarian in there, then we might actually reach some people who or otherwise just wouldn't even be paying attention to politics. And we can create that contrast and and kind of create that situation of cognitive dissonance that forces people to be confronted with other possibilities. And uh, jumping back down to the local level, if we actually carry out libertarian policy at the local level, which is to say anti-policy, really, um people can taste it. You know uh, you know Ron Paul said that uh, liberty once tried is popular. And so if we can get people to taste it, At a local level, maybe they'll want it at a higher level, too. Uh, Maybe they won't just want their local government to leave them alone. Maybe they'll want their state or their federal government to leave them alone. And uh, I think that personal experience is by far the best teacher, and that's something that we can do for people.
1: Yeah, and and I think that uh, the messaging aspect, I think, is perhaps the most important aspect of any of these campaigns. but But I think it's good to have it on all the levels. Right. So, you know, your presidential candidate, uh, you know, Harry Brown is not going to be talking, uh, in in detail, uh, about, uh, you know, local zoning in, you know, here in Knoxville or something, you know, it's, but if we have libertarian candidates here to talk about that, and we have someone at the top of the ticket, who's talking about, uh, liberty then again, the people who are paying attention kind of seem to get it. We'll we'll start to get it possibly. And the other thing is, you know, um, and I want to talk about what we've actually done, uh, to help local candidates here in a minute. But, uh, I think that that's essential too, as far as, um, you know, to some extent you do have to play the game that, um, uh, the other parties play, and again, I I don't think we should ever expect that the media or the two parties who you know they run the boards of election in all the counties in in every state. You know, we're never going to get a fair shake from Republicans, Democrats, a- and and media people. But if we can have candidates who build a resume at the local level, and or who are you know a councilman, a mayor, a school board member, whatever they get some credibility and some experience in their community with the local media, the local power brokers, then it's not that big of a step depending on, you know, how the lines in your state are drawn from, you know, mayor of a a medium sized city to, to the state house. Right. And so that's how I think that's a, a, again, it's a long-term strategy, but Mm -hmm. I think that uh, you will have much more, uh, credibility with people, if you're running for state house as someone who's been on uh, city council or school board, versus someone who has you know just been listening to podcasts and is showing up and say, "Hey, I want to be a, a a state rep." Not that there's anything wrong with podcasts, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, And you know, I I think that um, the Libertarian Party uh, has a ways to go with just kind of uh, institutional memory and consistency. And not uh, not burning people out. I mean, a lot of times, you know, you have to run once or twice before you actually win. Um, and libertarians, I think, maybe come into this political game not understanding that um, a lot of these political actions are are long-term projects that require patience, and uh, they they can yield fruit if you're doing it right and if you're you know if you're picking your battles. Um, and so, I definitely think that the libertarian party uh could you know essentially uh develop farm teams like what you're talking about is really what that is 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 getting those people uh built up with a reputation in their local community um that makes those ideas of of liberty much more credible to people
1: i want to talk about what we've actually done in that regard here in a second but i also wanted to kind of uh, I mentioned the, the LP's frontier project and how that's a little bit different, it's not quite what we're doing or not what we would necessarily do, but I think that's the right way to be thinking about things. Can you describe that project briefly uh, as just an example of something that you know we can the Mises Caucus I don't think would be interesting, you know, if, if we have a if Angela is chair. I don't think, uh, you know, she's not going to kill the frontier project or something because it wasn't our idea. Um, I think it's a pretty good idea.
0: No, I mean, uh, I definitely think there's room for other strategies in the libertarian party. If you want to, um, you know, be ambitious and push into higher levels of government um, like Burt did in Wyoming, I think that's fantastic. If there's an opportunity to do that, I think that we should seize that opportunity. And I think that there should be freedom in the party to experiment with that strategy. And this is why I I was careful to make the distinction, you know, about um, what the Mises caucus intends to do with its resources. If there are other libertarians who perceive an opportunity, they want to devote their resources towards that opportunity, who are we to say no? Um, I think that we need to be able to experiment. And as long as the experiments are wise and and justifiable, then why not try them? Um, yeah. And you know, in in some cases, it'll be met with success. Like wasn't Wyoming, and there's nothing wrong with that at all.
1: Yeah, and so the for those who don't know, the Frontier Project is the LP trying to identify uh, statehouse races in Western states that often have a very you know they have a large geographic area but they have a very small population so you you know the number of people you have to reach is relatively small and, and uh, i think the guy's name is marshall burt right in wyoming i think it is right Yep. yeah that's right. so they, and, they they put somebody over the top that's great
0: yeah and, it, and the strategy makes sense right it's not just a you know a willy-nilly attempt to get into a state legislature anywhere they're they're looking at these counties or, or these districts and they're saying okay well this the population density is low this is something that a, a party with fewer resources like ours could actually, um, you know, get over the top in. And, and I think that's a smart way to do it if you're going to do it. Um, so, you know, I, I think that approach, if it works, it works, you know.
1: And, and one thing I, I've been most impressed about uh, with the, the Mises Caucus uh, since I've been on board is, um, uh, I, I think it was already in the. I, I didn't have anything to do with it, but like it, it happened shortly after I think I came on board, where we actually started writing. We got the pack got f- officially formed. M- Mises Pack is the organization that allows us to uh, raise and spend money on politics, and uh, we've written lots of checks to to lots of people over the last couple of election cycles, and and we've had some success. Right. I mean, I I know that's one thing I I'm proud of and not to, to run down other caucuses because I think especially like the radical caucus, like there's a lot of overlap ideologically, but again, from me being involved in the LP for more than 10 years to finally see people who are supporting a cause that is actually supporting candidates with actual checks is, is, is kind of a great thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, in the special elections that we supported this past spring 2021, uh, we got three out of nine people elected. Uh, Interestingly, I believe they were all re-elections, which is not too surprising. Uh, It's easier for incumbents to get elected again uh, because they have that reputation. They have that advantage of being familiar and that kind of thing. So we could definitely... uh, see what we can do about getting new people in who haven't been elected before, but we are very proud of the fact that three out of nine got in there. I mean, for libertarians, that's a pretty good ratio. Um, and uh, in the future, I think the Mises caucus will be working on developing candidate support, uh, more robust candidate support, uh, to make sure that any candidates that we back um, actually get training if they need that, uh, or perhaps you know, various forms of professional support if they need that. Uh, These are different things that we're exploring. This is actually, in some ways, um, something that the Pragmatist Caucus was doing, Um, perhaps not exactly the same way that we might do it, but these are important things. Uh, You don't want to just throw money at a candidate and kind of kick them out the door and, and hope for the best. You want them to actually, you know, know what they're doing and Lean on the experience of people who have done it before, that kind of thing, and we definitely want the Libertarian Party to move in that direction, where our candidates are getting not only the financial support they need, but good information, good campaign teams backing them up.
1: Do you have any uh, off the top of your head? I can never remember numbers, uh, but like how about how many candidates we've supported? Uh, e- maybe if you just have the in your head the numbers for this. Uh, uh election coming up like how how give us a ballpark of what we've spent and about how many candidates we've we've actually supported
0: wow Uh mike would probably be the best one to ask that off the top of my head i believe we've spent it somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 grand plus um this I'd year. i have to uh yeah oh oh this year we've it's probably more like 20 yeah um yeah. plus yeah um uh, so, we're definitely, you know, we're, and we want to increase that number um, as our budget increases, the number of candidates we support, we want that to increase. Um, so, we will definitely be continuing to give thousands to local candidates. It's something that we take seriously and it's a major part of what we do.
1: And, and there's actually one case, and I don't want to name him just because I don't know the full story there, but I know there's been at least one case where we've given money to people who kind of hate the Mises caucus um, yeah well uh,
0: but <laughs> sometimes but we, sometimes people turn out to you know not not be as nice um, and it's also you know kind of goes along with that theme is you know we give money and, and support to people who you know we think have a shot of doing good uh, yeah. and sometimes it turns out that that's not the case but if you're never willing to uh, give people the chance to prove themselves, uh, I don't think that's uh, a good way to do things. It's okay to trust people at least a little bit. And if you get burned, you get burned, but at least you gave people a chance. And, yeah. uh, you know, obviously you don't want to be naive and foolish, but you know, if you're not, uh, <laughs> if you're not going to be totally destroyed by somebody, uh, right you know turning on you then it's not a big deal just don't it, don't position yourself so that you're going to be ruined somehow you know
1: it, and i've actually been uh, uh uh just a very small handful but whitney davis uh formerly whitney davis now whitney uh does does she use her uh, new name uh in politics or not
0: i'm not sure okay no, no. well
1: I, I won't use it in case she de- uh I, I, most of you know her by whitney davis um but uh uh she's our candidate coordinator. I've been on some of those interviews where we kind of vet the candidates and we don't ask questions about, Hey, what do you think of the Mises caucus and Michael Heiss? We ask about what kind of candidate they are, what kind of experience they have. We ask them about libertarian ideas, about nullification, uh, about their views on taxation, stuff like that. But we don't, there's no loyalty test. There's no, uh, have you ever said it? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, let's move on. We have a, a, not a whole lot of time, uh, left, but I do want to talk about, I think ultimately this may be, well, I, I don't know the three prong thing. It's like three legs of a stool. I think they all work together and without one of them, you, you have something that doesn't quite work. So the thing that kind of completes this three legged stool is our, uh, focus on, uh, issue based coalitions. What is that? Yep.
0: So issue-based coalitions, I mean, this is essentially the 10th Amendment Center. Um, you know, they've been doing this for a while now. You, you pick an issue, you find different special interest groups who are really interested in that issue, you band together, and you put that issue over the top. And the, the very cool thing about this strategy is that it is not dependent on um, a particular political culture Existing wherever you are, in the sense that, uh, and this is where you know being libertarians advantageous. We have things that we agree with uh, uh, people on the left on and people on the right on. And so wherever you are as a libertarian, um, you could probably find some issue that people around you will agree with you on, and you can work with them to get that issue done. And um, so that's that's the single issue coalition, um, and. You know, we have practical examples of doing this. So, for example, uh, one of the very early feathers in our cap was that, you know, we worked with the Colorado LP to push uh, psilocybin mushroom decriminalization in Denver. And uh, that plebiscite was actually so close that the media called it wrong. Uh, It passed by so few votes that um, I I think we can... uh, very safely uh, brag on that one and say that we had an influence in making that happen. And, you know, that's in a that's in a deeply blue area. Um, Some political strategies are going to rely on there being a lot of libertarians in one place or, well, this area is really Republican. Um, And don't get me wrong. Like, I understand that there's there's definitely uh, better and worse when it comes to things like this. But the point is, is that we can still get some libertarian issues over the top no matter where we are. And uh, similar kind of story in Norristown, PA, and, I'm, you know, uh, I believe it was weed decriminalization. Uh, you know, Mike Heist just went to uh, the police chief and said, what's the status of, you know, weed being decriminalized here? And the police chief basically told him, you know, uh, nobody's really doing anything about it, but it's about time that it gets done. And this is the police saying this. So there are opportunities to get things done. And, you know, Mike pushed for it and it got done again in a blue district. And I think there's this expectation that, oh, you know, libertarians, you know, like the left hates freedom so much. And, yeah, there's a lot of things that they're horrible on. And I can tell you, like, personally, I'm more of a culturally conservative person. I live in Idaho, more comfortable in a red state. But the point is we can apply the single issue coalition strategy anywhere. If it'll work in blue counties, it'll work in red counties. And that's the really neat thing about it. And so the job of our state teams and, uh, you know, the national organization, too, is to find these organizations, build partnerships with them and help them, you know, get legislation in the hands of legislators, help participate in their, you know, their protests and their media to try and get attention to issues and push those issues through. And I think we can get a lot done that way without having to fight people.
1: I I think we can too. Uh, And I think that, you know, we may have the uh, ancillary effect of, of converting some people, uh, but in a lot of cases we won't. Um, uh, uh, And in some cases we'll find, I'm sure that we'll try to partner with people who, uh, who hate us uh, because we're too far left or too far right in, in their minds and, you know, we may try to do things that, that don't fly because the person, you know, running a particular ballot initiative doesn't want to work with us. But I would say most of the time, if if not almost all, if they see somebody supporting their issue and with a check and with volunteers, um, you know, they're going to let us work together with them. Uh, and but the and the ultimate goal is not to uh, see how big we can make the Mises caucus or make the LP it's how much freedom we can take back for normal people, for everyday people, for weird people, for conservative people, for liberal people. Like, and if we can do that by holding our nose and fighting a a battle, you know, with someone who on 80% of the issues, you know, we think they're crazy on, I'm okay with that. I'm okay to, to work with someone who um, who has no idea about, you know, supply and demand and the uh, 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 socialist calculation problem. Uh, But if we can make sure that uh, 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 like my County would be a great place for a, two a sanctuary thing Um, out in the County uh, uh, it's, it's super conservative with a see a lot of don't tread on me flags and that would work here. Mushrooms, probably not maybe yeah. weed, but that's the thing is, is we can, there's all kinds of people that uh, we don't have to, that's the thing. We don't have to argue and win them over on everything, partner right. with them on something they already, already believe in. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, hard, nosed realism. Well, the hard-nosed, realist thing is, uh, not everybody's going to want to be a libertarian, and uh, if you're going to accept that reality, then well, what can you do? Well, you can use the single-issue coalition. Um, you know, if you're one percent of the population, that doesn't mean much if you're just directly trying to achieve power, but it can mean a whole lot if you're that one percent that pushes that single issue over the over the top, and yeah. uh, and then you do have power. Then you do have some influence, and you didn't have to spend 50 years trying to convert, you know, thousands of people to libertarianism to get it done. So,
1: yes. and I think value another, in it. Uh, another thing there's value in, in this strategy and in the local, uh, um, uh, local candidate strategy is um sometimes history outpaces what we think it will do. Um, and uh, I'm specifically talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, pardon me. The last couple of years with COVID, that you know we have people in red and blue states like seriously considering not just as a joke. Like uh, we have, uh, you know, Dave Smith did an episode on the Sarah Silverman, the comedian, saying, "Hey, you know, America needs a divorce." There's a lot of Republicans who are now like, "Yep, I think it might be time to to think about secession or some sort of extreme decentralization." And if we have people on the ground working with other activists and other politicians that that uh, uh, that have the that we're talking about nullification and things like that, that if a larger movement comes along, if if uh, Joe Biden continues to to divide and, and uh, try to divide and conquer uh, and, and makes a couple more big mistakes, you know, history might present us with a moment where there's something uh, that could happen with secession. And the more people we have that are in the debate and already influential, the better chance we have of kind of steering that debate in, in the right direction in my mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, decentralism is, is one of our, of one of our planks. Um, it's very important to us. We think that nullification and secession are going to be uh, critical to our future. Um, I think that the the more polities that exist that are you know subdivided and separated from each other as far as the power goes, not in terms of economics but in terms of political power, uh, the better. And you know the great thing about the Mises Caucus is that we don't have this um, great unifying vision for what the libertarian society is going to look like. We understand that libertarian san francisco and libertarian alabama are not going to look the same they're not going to have the same culture they're probably going to have differences in, uh you know how they privately uh build society and that's fine and that's why we are you know more culturally neutral uh as long as people don't uh you know spend more time proselytizing each other about which way to live is better than they do getting work done we're we're happy you know and uh and I think that we should be encouraging this kind of decentralization everywhere, yeah,
1: yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think uh, again, getting back to uh, uh, just reminding everybody who's already on board with us, who is thinking about getting on board with us as we, you know, march toward uh, Reno, um that, You know, I get a lot of questions coming in in response to the emails we send out and the Facebook page. On okay, what do you guys exactly believe? Uh, What about this? What about that? And so, this article is going to be uh, a help to me as kind of a a restatement of of what we've talked about and explained in different ways and in in, uh, different venues. Uh, And I think we should uh, like I'd like to work with you, continuing to get some uh, just updated language and get it all in, uh, an easy to digest place for people who do have those questions. Um, uh, I I had a guy recently, uh, he was like, are you guys really into Austrian economics? Like really, really? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay, I found a home. Right. (laughs) So, uh, we need to, um, make sure that uh, a lot of these things are explained, but this thing I think is, uh, uh i I think a major part if not you know it's the major part as far as what we're actually doing it doesn't talk a lot about ideology but it's how we're going to try to get some of that ideology into practice so
0: right and and since we are an activist organization in a party that should be doing activism i think it's important that we uh we definitely lay down that foundation of this is what we're practically doing in the real world um these are the proven results that we've already gotten. And uh, we're we're pretty uh, pretty firmly determined to continue in this direction. We feel like it's a good direction to go in. And uh, so, if you're a libertarian, no matter where you are, no matter what state you're in, um, there is a Mises Caucus chapter in that state. Uh, they could use your help, and uh, we'd be glad to have you throw down and and join up with us and um, get whatever that can be done in your state, in your county, to get that that work towards liberty done Yep.
1: all right dave i'm uh, i'm gonna let you go it's been a pleasure having you on we'll do it again uh sometime and it's been a pleasure working with you and i can't wait to uh i think we're sharing a room in in reno so hopefully we'll have some uh celebrating to do then
0: yep absolutely all right have all a right. good one all right see you david
1: And there you have it. I'd like to thank David Hines for being a great colleague on the Mises Caucus board and for reminding us uh, just how we can be effective and be an example for the LP and other groups within the LP and the Liberty Movement. Check out his article over at decentralizedrevolution.com slash 65. Thanks to Dave versus Goliath for all the music you hear on Decentralized Revolution. And thanks to everyone who subscribes to our email list and gives to Mises Pack at TakeHumanAction.com and everyone who shares, rates, reviews, and subscribes to Decentralized Revolution. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.